podcast that you're about to hear was recorded last year, but due to technical issues, couldn't be published. I was really, really gutted at the time because the interview was with a lady called Deb Dana, who is an expert in helping people regulate themselves through their autonomic nervous system. At the time, I felt it was a really important podcast to share, but even more so now, with the world being so dysregulated in terms of people's emotions, it feels like it was almost fate that it couldn't be shared then and it can be shared now. I've managed to resolve the technical issues which is why I'm able to bring it to you and I would just encourage you to get comfortable and listen to this conversation because I'm absolutely certain that you will find some comfort in it. In the podcast Deb and I cover off something called the polyvagal theory. This is a theory that I use in my therapeutic practice when I talk to clients about helping them regulate their emotions. We all have an autonomic nervous system and that nervous system is primarily responsible for finding out whether or not it feels we are safe or unsafe. Now with all the cues of danger in the world at the moment that are happening, it's very easy to see that many of us would feel unsafe and therefore dysregulated. In the book, we talk about the different states of the nervous system and on a biological level, what's happening. For me personally, that just brings such a sense of relief because when I can understand what's going on for me, um, it sort of empowers me to be able to do something about it or just simply understand it and forgive myself for the way that I'm feeling and the way that I might be behaving. We also talk about Um, how to regulate ourselves so we talk about some exercises that you can do so it's not just a psychoeducation podcast there are some very practical things in there that you can do too the links to those resources that you might require are in the show notes so you can head to my website and also Deb's website to look for information if the polyvagal theory does resonate for you as she says at one point in the podcast we all have a nervous system so it may be important that we all understand how it works It's a nice free-flowing interview, it's not too heavy, but I would encourage you to just take um, a moment to bring yourself to a state of calm before you listen. Some of the language in there might be triggering, especially at this time, so make sure that you've got a peaceful moment where you can sit back, relax, and safely digest the contents of the podcast. Uh, If you feel that the the things that are shared in the podcast might be useful for somebody else, then please, I would just encourage you to um, share and whiz it around your friends, like it like it comment on it that tends to bump it up the rankings too um, but otherwise just enjoy it for yourself and i hope that it brings you some sense of calm and some glimmers which you'll find out what those are as you listen take care guys and we'll speak after the podcast the only thing i could liken it to is like being hit by a truck it's like a moment in my mind that's not that's been erased now because it was quite a traumatic experience One human is amazingly complex. You add a second human and try to have a relationship and how complicated things get. Suddenly I feel like all of my history was a lie. There's nothing wrong with you, right? You're not bad or wrong or broken or, you know, stuck. And it's all healable. People's stories have the power to transform the way we see the world and the way we experience our lives. I'm your host, Adam, and I'll be guiding you on this journey. So sit back, relax, and find out this week what is on my mind. You know, I I came to polyvagal theory. I've always been a neuroscience nerd. And so when I... um, 
was um, had a full-time practice, um, we really did a lot of teaching about the brain and um, working with um, a neuroscience um, organization at a university close to us to do um, training sessions and really understand um, what's happening um, in the brain because that really felt felt juicy and it felt you know this is the thing we're working with we're working with the brain when we do therapy so we should understand it and then I read Steve's book in uh, 2011 and it was in a light bulb went off and I was like oh my this is the missing piece for me and so um, you know from there it's been a lovely journey of collaboration with with Steve but what happened for me was wanting to take his theory and bring it into easy clinical application because I just felt it had so much potential for therapists. And then the further I've gone along with it, what I really think I'm doing or wanting to do and wanting colleagues to do is help our clients become active operators of their own nervous system. So for me, that really is is um, the thing I, I, you know, we therapists, you know, joke and say we want to put ourselves out of business, right? Um, however, what I really want to do is is help my clients. You know, when they come to therapy, they come with a presenting problem, so to speak. And I always tell them that problem that you're coming to therapy with, we're going to put over here um, on the shelf for a bit because we're going to work here, right? Because here is where we need to start. Because once you've got this, and you know how to regulate and, and have some skills and, and really contract your system, the thing you came to therapy for over here is going to look much different and, and you're going to have a lot of wisdom about what to do with it. So, you know, sort of my journey continues to be to help people come here. Right. And, and for and those listening to audio only, you're, in, oh, you're, you're pointing yeah. to your body. No, no, it's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, you're sort of pointing to the, to <laughs> yeah. the body as opposed to it being something ethereal in the mind. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, even if you think about, okay, so you came to me because you, you know, you're really um, struggling with um, anxiety, right? And you want, you want to figure out how to manage that. So we're going to put anxiety over there on the shelf, and we're going to work with your autonomic nervous system, which is where all of that originates from, right? It can be the same as you're, you're you know, you're struggling in a relationship, we're going to put the relationship over there. We're going to first work with your nervous system because once your nervous system has a bit more regulation, you're going to look at a relationship differently, right? And then you've got that that inner wisdom. You're connected brain to body, body to brain, and those pathways bring you an incredible amount of information, as you know from your own own journey. So, so yeah, I really have a passion for um, making polyvagal accessible to everyone and, and inviting colleagues into this um, polyvagal community that that Steve and I are creating around the world well I, I have your book here thank you for have been reading uh, studiously um, and the, uh, the book that I read before this was the body keeps the score which kind of got me interested in polyvagal theory we have been using it with clients to great effect um, but I would like to hear from you if you're okay just explaining taking a big big step back and offering mm -hmm. listeners a an idea of what we mean by the central nervous system mm. and, and the different parts sure. and how yeah, they all yeah. work together. Sure. Sure. Well, um, the the central nervous system is your your um, um, brain and spinal cord. The autonomic nervous system, which is what polyvagal theory 
talks about is um, your parasympathetic and your sympathetic nervous systems, and together they form the autonomic nervous system. Um, and the autonomic nervous system is really this foundation for all of your lived experience. Um, everything emerges out of your autonomic um, nervous system state. And what polyvagal theory has um, offered us is, is, a, is a new map of this nervous system, the autonomic nervous system, um, a revised map, um, so that it still is these two branches, parasympathetic and sympathetic, but the parasympathetic has two divisions. And because of that, we ended up with what we call the autonomic hierarchy. So we really know how the nervous system moves through these three states that we have available for us at all times, and we move in a, in a predictable order. Um, and that's what really polyvagal theory has, has offered us. The other two principles of polyvagal theory are co-regulation, that we are um, made to co-regulate, regulate with another human being, that we don't survive without other beings in our life when we come into the world. And in fact, co-regulation is a lifelong um, need for us, for health. Um, and then neuroception, which is the body's, the nervous system's way of taking in cues of safety and danger. So let me let me stop there and, and um, let's take neuroception a little deeper, then we'll go back to hierarchy. So neuroception is the way your nervous system, not your, not your brain, but your nervous system, your embodied system, is listening um, in what I call inside, outside, and between. So it's listening inside your body to what's going on. It's listening outside in the environment to what's going on. And it's listening between you and another person. So it's listening on a nervous system level to what's happening in another person. And out of neuroception, we find cues of safety or danger. And neuroception then feeds that information up to the brain and the brain makes a story, okay? Um, and along the way, neuroception enacts one of these three states that we have. So the hierarchy <clears throat> is at the top of the hierarchy, the newest part of our nervous system, and the part that I believe we're inherently longing to, to be in um, is called ventral vagal. And that's the place of safety and connection where I can connect inside to my own um, system. I can connect out in the world. I can connect to people, to, to spirit, to nature. Um, I can think um, clearly. I can be organized in what I do. I can move through the world in a way that, that makes sense to me and I can um, have purpose. So that's the ventral vehicle. And when um, something in our world, it could be inside ourselves, it could be an illness, it could be an environmental challenge, it could be a relational challenge, but when something feels too big for us to manage, the nervous system then moves um, down the hierarchy into the next oldest system, which is the sympathetic nervous system. And probably most people know that as the system of fight and flight. Um, we like to call it a system of mobilization, but that's where fight and flight take place. And so in that place, the neuroception has gone from feeling safe to feeling some flavor of danger. And the nervous system state has responded by bringing these mobilizing activities of fighting or fleeing. 
And so that so might manifest often, in, <clears throat> sorry, in terms of yeah. symptoms, like signs that you're in, you're moving into that system. So if you're moving into the sympathetic state, you, um, you, that's where you might feel some anxiety, some fear, some hypervigilance. You may find it hard to sit still. Your body wants to move. You're, 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 you're looking all around. You might have a racing heart. Your thoughts might start spinning. Those are the sort of signs that, oh, my sympathetic nervous system is acting in service of survival because, again, the, the nervous system only acts in service of survival. Right? It, it thinks there's a survival need and it comes into this mobilized, energized. It's as if too much energy is flooding your system and you, and you don't know what to do with it. That's sort of the, the flavor of sympathetic. And oftentimes that's enough and, and we find a, a resolution and we come back to the more calm, regulated place of ventral. Right, But sometimes that fight or flight energy does not bring a resolution to the, the challenge. And then the nervous system is going to take us into dorsal vagal collapse. And dorsal vagal <clears throat> is the earliest part of the nervous system. And is that um, dorsal and ventral are the two branches of parasympathetic. So as you can see, they're bringing the oldest and the newest responses. I'm either... In parasympathetic, I can be safe and social engaged, or I can be collapsed, disconnected, and um, not really here. And how you know you're entering dorsal is you feel all the energy draining from your body. Um, you might feel a bit of numbness. Um, you feel kind of foggy. You can feel like you're just going through the motions, but you're not really here doing that. Um, it's hard to think. You know, in sympathetic um we, we lose the ability to think clearly and people become um, unfriendly and look like enemies to us. So I, I'm no longer interested in social connection. I'm, I'm just focused on survival. And then what I like to say is in dorsal, when you go to that disconnected place, um, other people don't even exist. You're, you're sort of in a world of your own untethered, you know, floating. It's, it's a, it's a, um, uh, scary place to be it's it's not a not a good place to be yeah so those are the three states that we understand now in a predictable way through polyvagal theory thank you for that thank you for that really clear explanation mm -hmm. it's it's a strength of yours mm -hmm. from reading your book to be able to take these very <laughs> complex terms and turn them into something that's so accessible so uh, the way mm -hmm. that I've been describing it to clients in terms of rewinding to perhaps when we were in the cave and what have you was to say yeah. when we're in the sort of when we're in ventral vagal we kind of sat around the campfire and we're all relaxed and we're just mm -hmm. chatting and then all of a sudden there's a rustle mm -hmm. in the forest and uh -huh. so uh now it starts to activate our sympathetic nervous system so then we, we become alert we become uh, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit fearful, um, very mm -hmm. hypervigilant. Now, if, for example, mm -hmm. a pack of a pride of lions was to launch upon us, then we might go into a fight mm -hmm. response to try and get rid. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, mm -hmm. if that was seen as futile, then the body would shut yes. down and try to preserve us Beautiful. from pain. Um, yes. So is that is that if I've been sort of describing that's that lovely. correctly? Yes, that's yeah. lovely. Yes, that, yeah. that's a lovely. Yeah. And as you were talking about the pride of lions coming in, I could feel my system you know, beginning that, that activation. And then, you, you know, you're right, because when we feel trapped, um, trapped, feeling trapped and as if there is no escape is, is often that um, trigger for that dorsal vagal um, shutdown. 
Right. Sure. Um, you know, often, you know, perhaps I'll even live to fight another day if I, you know, if my system takes me into conservation mode, as we call it now. Sure. And the, the interesting part about polyvagal theory is that really was the gift of polyvagal theory to really biologically um, describe and, and um, outline that dorsal vagal response. Because before that, um, the thought was that we had fight flight for sympathetic and parasympathetic was simply rest and digest. So there was no, no discernment there that parasympathetic can be, you know, sitting around the campfire feeling, you know, a part of the tribe, or it can be going into that death fanning mode because I can't survive the attack from the lions. So, yeah, yeah. And I think what, what what's really helpful is when, when we get to feel that in our own system and we begin to be able to map it and track it, then we begin to have a, a sense of, oh, so here's what pretty predictably takes me to these places, and here are some of the things I can do to get out of this state and return to ventral. And and I, I do want to say um, at this point that ventral vagal is, you know, the, the, the place of safety connection and health growth and restoration, and it is also not a place that we spend all our time in. Nor is it a place that we that the goal is not to always inhabit ventral vagal, right? The the goal for we humans to have a a, a healthy a life of well being is that we know when we leave ventral, and rather than getting stuck in sympathetic or dorsal, we can find our way back home to ventral. So it's that flexibility that brings brings health. And and I suppose I'm thinking back to a talk that I delivered a few weeks ago and leading up to the talk, I was starting to notice those feelings of anxiety and certainly before. And it gave me a sense of being able to sift out what was important, what wasn't important leading up to that. So it was actually, I wasn't flooded by the feelings of anxiety, but it kind of gave me a sense of purpose. But then straight after the talk, I came home to my family and I, I sort of rested in the evening and went back into the sort of that that really yeah. nice ventral vagal state so what you're saying is it's not a kind exactly. of like we, we're not aiming to spend all of our time chilling out in ventral vagal right. <laughs> exactly 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 and it's important for us to remember that that, that there, there's a purpose each of these states has a purpose and and again when ventral is is running the show so to speak when 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 ventral is overseeing our system sympathetic has great purpose in our life it, it helps pump blood it helps um, with breath, it, it brings rhythms. Um, so we need, it helps us, you know, energize and move. And dorsal, um, when it runs in the background, doing what it's supposed to do is bringing you a healthy digestion. Mm. So, you know, all these states, you know, are, are wonderfully working together. It, it's, it's only when, sim, uh, when a ventral um, gets overwhelmed by, by a situation and either sympathetic or dorsal is the one running the show that we're in trouble because then we have an unintegrated nervous system, right? And what would, what would lead somebody to, to be in a situation where, because I work with people who, who tell me that, you know, when I've put this sort of theory to them and said, and you know, it seems like you're in the sympathetic nervous system. They said to me, I don't think I've ever been in ventral vagal. I can't remember the last time I was there. Um, yeah. So they're getting yeah. some sense of um, empowerment from being able to map where they are, yeah. which I think is one exactly. of the great gifts of polyvagal mm-hmm. theory. Um, mm-hmm. But they're, they're saying, I don't think I've ever been there. What would what sort of situations might have happened to that person? Right. To have... 
Well, it's interesting because what I what I think we do is we develop because the nervous system is shaped by our experience. And so as your client comes to you and sits with you, they've had a lifetime of experience shaping that nervous system. And um, I think we, we end up with sort of autonomic profiles, I call them. Some, some of us are more apt to be sympathetically mobilized and others of us are more apt to be in that dorsal um, state of a bit of disconnect and, and um, um, distancing, right? Um, and everybody, though, I, I truly believe everybody experiences moments of ventral vagal. I, I call them micro moments. I call them glimmers. Um, and when I'm working with my clients and clients have a hard time, you know, mapping their ventral vagal, um, I will often go to nature because nature is pretty predictably um, bringing, um, activating a ventral vagal moment. Um, pets, I always ask, do you have a pet? Because pets, again, are pretty predictably activating a ventral. And then if you and your client have a, um, a strong therapeutic relationship, if you've built that relationship, I'll often say to my client, so how about right here, right now, together? Does this feel like it has a flavor of ventral? Right. So we're just looking for a, a, a micro moment because once we have that micro moment, we can bring it to life and begin to, to, to map it from that. And then clients have a sense of, oh, I, I do recognize that feeling. It's just not very familiar to me. I don't go there very often. Right. And then then the job is to, well, let's see if we can, you know, maybe visit that place a bit more often. Right. So, you know, finding your, if ventral is our home, and I like to say ventral is our home, uh, I've now begun to say that we also have a home away from home, right? And, um, you know, my home away from home is, is dorsal, always has been. So when I feel overwhelmed, I, I, of course, go through sympathetic because it's the next place on the hierarchy, but I don't spend much time there. I just zip through sympathetic and land in dorsal because that's, you know, my, that was my safe um, safe zone um, in my family growing up. So I like to help people, you know, kind of discover what's your home away from home, because then we have a, an idea of um, how your nervous system's been shaped. There's, there's something really nice about this, um, some of the exercises that you put in your book, because it, it's it's sort of owning yourself. That's how I, yes. that's how I interpreted it, you mm. know, mapping nice. out what, what puts me into my ventral vagal when do when do I experience safety what 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 are the triggers um, that put me into yeah. either sympathetic or dorsal and, and the thing that I also like is mm -hmm. it removes the shame that people have in terms mm -hmm. of the way that they react right. to certain things because if you're able to right. say you know if I'm working with somebody that maybe is experiencing lots of anger for example if I'm able mm -hmm. to sort of show them, well, hold on a second, let's look at your environment, all these stresses mm -hmm. that are in your environment at the moment. Right. It seems right. that your home right. away from home might be sympathetic mm -hmm. nervous system in the fight response. Exactly. Um, so yes. so all of yeah. a sudden the, the, there's a way out, there's a way yeah. forward. Yeah. It's not stuck. Right. Yes. And, and, and I love what you say. And I always, you know, like people to know that, that this is not a, a your brain is not making a decision here, right? You are not choosing to be angry. You know, your nervous system has enacted a sympathetic response and out of sympathetic comes anger, right? And the nervous system doesn't make moral meaning about anything and doesn't assign motivation. It simply acts when it feels a need to, um, 
do something to help you survive. It's we humans that, that make the moral meaning and assign motivation, right? So if we can take that away, you know, and say, oh, so in this moment, there are more cues of danger than safety, and your nervous system has taken action. You know, and I like to really come right very clear about, so let's figure out what are the cues of danger and what are the cues of safety. Because as long as the percentage is is that we have more cues of safety than danger, we probably can find control. But when that percentage shifts and there are more cues of danger than safety, we're going to go into one of those survival responses. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, mm. really nice. And one of the other things that you talked about at the start, I, I, in fact, I think it's worth underlining that point about the body sort of notices first and responds and then mm -hmm. the brain makes a story out of it. Because it's so often you yeah. hear people saying, I just don't know why I reacted that way. Or they hang their head in shame mm -hmm. afterwards that they snapped at somebody mm. or, or that they right. shut themselves away for a week from the world. Right. And the minute that you can right. start to say... Right look, this is what's happening. This is not, this mm -hmm. is not fully at this moment in time within your control, but there are things mm -hmm. that you can mm -hmm. do. And that's sort of, I suppose my right. first journey with polyvagal was, okay, this is great. It's it offers an explanation, but how do we um, move forward? How mm -hmm. do we take back control of the autonomic nervous system? Right. And that, that your book right. speaks to that, doesn't it? There's lots of exercises mm. about, and I hadn't really yes. even thought about yeah. Even when we start talking about experiences like the Pride of Lions, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I noticed as I was even explaining it, it yep. you can feel yourself shifting. Exactly. So do you yeah. want to, tell, to maybe yeah. offer just an example of one of the exercises that, that people can do to start mapping and understanding? Sure. Um, hmm, trying to think what would be an easy one to, to, to start with. Because really the... Um, You've got to get to know your three states first. So, you know, I, I have a series of three maps um, in my book, which is always where I recommend people start. Um, the first one answers the question, where am I? Which is the essential question. I have to know where I am in my nervous system state before I can do anything. And the second map answers the question, how did I get here? So it's the triggers and the glimmers. And the third answers the question, well, how do I get out of here? Or how do I stay in ventral? Um, so let's talk about staying in ventral for a moment because it's something I think we neglect. Um, and I think we therapists forget that we need to celebrate and savor the moments when our clients are in regulation. We get so focused on the, 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 the things that aren't working well. So if we just take a moment and think about um, glimmers, which are those micro moments of, of um, feeling okay, you know, um, ventral vagal is not this zen, beautiful, bliss place. It can be that, but it also includes simply the fact that, oh, I'm feeling organized and safe enough to, to make it through my day, right? That's a good place to be, to, to have that experience of feeling, you know, I can do this, right? Um, so um, one of the things that I've begun doing is helping people find what I call ventral vagal anchors. So, um, and actually this isn't in the book, this is going to be in the new book. So anyway, here we go. <laughs> Let's do Look out for ventral the new vagal book. anchors. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Ventral anchors, which are these um, small um, experiences that we can identify and we can then either um, return to or bring alive in memory to bring enough ventral to, to help us 
um, come back to that ventral vagal place. You know, as you were just saying, we talked about the pride of lions. You could feel your sympathetic mobilizing. Well, the same is true when we think about a ventral vagal anchor. You begin to feel your ventral vagal system reaching out and, and getting a little bigger. So um, you want to do them with me? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's who, what, where, when. So who, let's start with who. You just think, who is a person in your life who, when you're around them, you feel a ventral vagal welcome and you feel your system responding? And so you just find one person in the beginning. For many clients, one person is where we start and then we'll build a list. Um, for some people, I, I, I like to add, it could be a pet because pets, you know, a mammal pet. I was teaching the other day and somebody talked about her pet iguana and I said, no, no, not, not your iguana, <laughs> but you know, dog, cat, horse, you know, those things. But, you know, find a who. Who is a person or a pet in your life? And as we move forward, we can add people who are no longer living or spiritual figures or guides. But in the beginning, I really like it to be a living, breathing nervous system that you can connect with. Sure. So do you have a who? You don't yes, have to tell I've, me who. Just do you I've have got one? my who. That's your who. Okay. So then um, we go to what? So what is something that you do, just a little something that you engage in that, that really pretty predictably helps you feel, oh, there's a little bit of ventral there for me. So sure. a very simple what. And, you know, I, I use things like um, um, looking up at the sky or feeling the sun on your face, or, um, you know, uh, walking by the beach, or just a, a simple something can be looking at a picture of someone you love. So have you got a what? Yeah, walking in the park. That's one. We've got a few parks around here, and mine is taking a, a nice stroll. Lots of green. So, and if you can't get there... You can just bring the memory alive, and that's an anchor as well, because you'll feel it begin to come alive inside. So you've got a who and a what. Um, so then um, where? Where are the places in your life where you predictably feel welcomed and, and ventral vagal energy stirring? And it could be um, your local bookstore, coffee shop. It could be a, a place at work. It could be a corner in your home. It could be could be your park, again. Um could yeah, be, I've got a chair um, in the sunshine. That's one. That's one's coming up for me. <laughs> so that's aware. So we get a yeah. who, a what, a where, and then the last one is when. So when are the times when you predictably feel this? Um, I like to say some of us are. I'm a really. I'm an early morning person. So for me, you know, five a.m. Is, is a time that I call an anchor for for me, and I'm up at five, and I think, oh, anchored in my ventral. Other people don't understand that at all they're 11 o'clock at night people which i don't understand hmm. um it could be a day of the week sometimes friday nights or sunday nights it could be um, a season uh, so get a win yeah i think it would be mid-morning for me you're a mid-morning guy so now you have a who where when and goes down on a card and then you would have those with you. And what I would encourage you to do is, is use them in two ways. One way is to just bring them alive, um, you know, once a day, you know, pick one and bring it alive once a day, either by remembering it or actually connecting with it in, in real life so that you're beginning to build that strength of that anchor so that when you need it, you can just grab it. Right. So then after you've really strengthened the anchors, 
you know, when you're going through your day and you're feeling that beginning sympathetic mobilization and you don't want to get pulled into sympathetic, you grab an anchor and you just bring it to life. Say, oh, yes, I'm, I'm remembering I walk in the park and you can feel your system begin to feel more ventral regulation. Uh, yeah, I really like so that. Thank that's you for... Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you for giving yeah. that. I, I like it too because I, because I think again we get so stuck with, with the things that aren't working we want to remember that in all of our systems no matter how trauma saturated our lives are our nervous system also has this capacity to be in ventral even if it's only for small moments and so we hook on to that capacity mm. and we build resilience that way right yeah thank you there was a point in your book where you talked about loneliness and how mm. when someone feels lonely they might perceive that as a threat and so they might mm -hmm. sort of actually distance themselves from others which will push them further yeah. into down the down the ladder yeah. but actually yes. using the technique yeah. that you just said about actually just imagining mm. connection just bringing right. a connection right. into your or memories of connection can prevent that sort of tipping over into the bottom of the yes. ladder which is so powerful right. Because we can all do that, yeah. you know. We yeah. can all have that. Yes, yeah. And so, for some, for sometimes we think about, um, you know, our, our role as therapists. In the beginning, for some of our clients, we're their who, right? You are their who, um, and that's okay. You can be their who. You can be the predictable anchor in their life while they're building the capacity to have other other who's <laughs> in mm. their life. So, so yeah, yeah. And yeah. I suppose that speaks yeah. to the co-regulation part that is so important, yeah. which is, yeah. you know, we know that we track each other's bodies. We know that we track each other on a, we, we're doing on a conscious level, but a hell of a lot more is happening mm -hmm. on an unconscious level. And what you're saying is a lot's yes. happening on a nervous system level. So yes. yeah. how does that play out, you know, in terms of um, just, gen yeah, I'll, I'll leave the question. How does that play out, that co-regulation? Yeah, so, you know, developmentally, co-regulation comes first. And when we have good skills at co-regulation and, and we feel safe in the world, we then learn to self-regulate. And, you know, nowadays our world seems to be upside down. You know, we want everybody to self-regulate, be independent. And um, you really can't do that well until you've had enough experiences of co-regulating with another safe human being. So, um, and, and, um, so the therapy relationship is a co-regulating relationship, certainly. And it's our job as therapists to, to be regulated and offer that regulation to our clients. Um, but everywhere in the world, you know, wherever we go, we are looking, um, for people who are safe to co-regulate with, um, because that's, that's the biological need that, that we carry, um, carry with us and, some of the ways that, that co-regulation happens um, is through the social engagement system, which is um, the, the ventral vagus in combination with the cranial nerves that, that bring your face alive. So it's a, this face-heart connection we talk about. So, you know, I'm looking at your face. Our, 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 our listeners don't have the luxury of 
seeing us, but, you know, I can see your face and I see your eyes and, and the tilt of your head and, and you know, can, can feel the, the warmth. And those are all cues of safety that you are sending from your nervous system to me. And then hopefully I'm sending them back <laughs> to you. Um, tone of voice is, is, is the same. So these are all ways that the nervous system is constantly sending out into the world cues of safety or cues of danger. So sometimes people send out cues that say, don't approach me, right? I, I'm, I don't want to be approached. Or we send out cues that, that are welcoming. And then we're looking for that in the faces and bodies of the people that we come in contact with. So that's how co-regulation um, happens. And then it becomes this reciprocal experience where I send a cue of safety to you, you receive it, your nervous system response comes back to me, and, and there's this lovely loop of connection that gets gets set up, right? It's sort of, a, uh, it, for me, it's a beautiful exchange, and it, un, it underlines for me that we're not we're not disconnected well well we might feel disconnected but we're all so interconnected with each other we're communicating <laughs> without even saying words um and right. Right. and what we what we perceive from other people has a direct impact on us so so i suppose you might say uh, would it be a question that you'd ask in the therapy when you're sort of asking people when do you notice that you're in the different stages or the different uh, different parts of the ladder as you've uh, as you've laid it out in your book might there be certain people that put us in certain yes. uh, yeah. parts of our nervous yeah. system? Yes, absolutely. And sometimes we don't know why, right? Mm. So we have to really then sit and give some consideration to what is it about that person that is a cue of danger to me, right? Because it's going to put me into not wanting to be around that person that's a cue of danger. What is it? Is it a look? Is it a, is it a tone of voice? Is it a certain way they move? You know, what? what is it? Because it is subconscious first. It's implicit. Mm -hmm. And we have to bring explicit awareness to those implicit experiences before we can make sense of them and do something. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a, a colleague who, you know, was, was a really brilliant um, colleague. And yet he and I, you know, I found myself always wanting to argue with him. And I had no idea what that was about until I finally had enough distance to say, oh, he reminds me of my brother which, wow. as you can tell, was not a good thing, you know, which is why I wanted to argue with him. All and once I figured that out, I could say, oh, yes, you have this thing you do that feels very familiar to my nervous system, a certain way that you, you move, but you're not my brother. And then it was fine, right? Sure. But until I could come bring conscious awareness, it was like, what is going on? Because it made no sense. So if something is too intense or just feels out of place in the moment, you, you probably are feeling a familiar cue from your past that, that is in, intuiting something that's happening in this present. And the, the, what I like to say to people is, you know, because that's neuroception at work, right? Neuroception is bringing you a cue of danger. And what I like to say is, here's the question you, you, you apply to that. You say, in this, in this moment, in this place, with this person, is this response necessary? Because that's bringing discernment to the process of neuroception. Because at one point, it probably was necessary. Mm. It may be that in this moment, it's no longer necessary. But neuroception is just bringing it alive. And in those moments, is, it, is that a case of applying what you've learned? So um, 
if you're with somebody like you were wanting to argue with that colleague and you suddenly have yeah. the realization oh it's because they remind me of somebody mm -hmm. would you then start using mm -hmm. your anchors to bring yourself back into dorsal vagal yeah. uh, yeah. sorry ventral vagal to ventral yeah. and as soon as you have that recognition because perception become you can't have perception unless you have a bit of ventral on board right okay you, you can't be in that place so you've already brought a little ventral there and once the light bulb goes off you often then get to oh so now i don't have to protect myself from this sure. person because he in fact is not a threat to me and then you feel more more ventral coming absolutely yeah i'm it's so grateful for that in, <laughs> sorry carry on that's why I was just going to say, it, it, it's when we're stuck in neuroception and we can't have any distance and, and perception that, that everybody just feels threatening to us. So, sure. yeah. So now tell me why you're grateful. <laughs> I, I'm so grateful because for a long time I've been trying to find an explanation for why it's so satisfying when you get an insight into something that's been troubling you. And there is that mm -hmm. sense of, ah. Oh, you know, when you suddenly yes. realize that that's why and you and, and now yeah. I see what's happening is I'm moving up the ladder. <laughs> that's exactly. You exactly. Know. And when you do this sigh, that beautiful sigh of relief, that's yeah. your nervous system regulating. And yes, you're coming up the ladder. And from ventral, it's, it feels delicious that you had that insight. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I love what you know, you keep coming back to because 80% of the information that travels to this vagal highway comes from your body to your brain. 80% is traveling from your body to your brain. And then your brain gets that information and makes up a story to make sense of what's going on in your body. That's the mm -hmm. brain's job, right? Let's make some sense of what's going on in this body. You know, it just doesn't always make a story that, that is a story of, of um, well-being, right? Right. It's, you know, think about our client stories, you know, the world on, on my map, my ladder map, and we can do this little piece of it right now. So if you think when you are in that sympathetic, hypervigilant, fight, flight, anxious, whatever the flavor is for you, just bring a bit of that alive for you. Mm -hmm. And these two sentences bring the story alive from that place. How do you feel in the sentence? The world is the world is what? Um, the world is scary, I would say, when scary. I'm in that place. It's, and, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I am? Um, anxious. And I'm anxious. Yeah. So you see, the story of sympathetic for you is the world's scary and I'm anxious. So it's a little hard to be safe, connected, moving through the world in a way that makes sense there. And then in dorsal, if you bring just a flavor of that, you know, the, the, the lions came in and we're now in death fainting there in the cave. We've gone to dorsal. You get a flavor of that going, the world is what? Um, is out there, I would say. It feels like it's right. not, not it's I'm there. not part of it. It's out there. I'm not part of it. It's out there and I'm not part of it. And then I am disconnected. I'm disconnected. So see, it's a very different story, right? sympathetic has this 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 energized story and dorsal vagal has this i'm you know the world's out there i'm not part of it i'm disconnected so then if we come to ventral because we got to finish ventral right come yeah. to ventral and bring alive that sense of feeling safe and regulated and connected and the world is beautiful <laughs> and i am 
grounded. Yeah. So just answering those two questions from each mm. state gives you a, a real idea of how your nervous system um, is the foundation for these different stories that, that mm. we live in. Your brain, it's not your brain, it's your nervous system. Because as you change states, the story changes so dramatically. Mm. And again, I'm grateful because I've been using some of this in the last week because I know that I've got a few mm. deadlines on and my my home away from home is dorsal. So I will uh -huh. I'll feel a sense of overwhelm. And then I just find myself just laying on the sofa, staring at the ceiling and, and feeling this mm -hmm. sense of like lethargy, like I don't want to move. Mm -hmm. um, I, th I, mm -hmm. I start getting lots of thoughts about, you know, things are going to start going wrong. There's no point even trying. And, and just, right. you know, hey. I've, yeah. I've been able to catch myself and go, hold on a second. <laughs> Actually, right. is that true? in this moment yeah. is that true or is it just that you need to go and write a list and and then it, it sort of i sit down and i and i notice an energy coming forward when i start to write the to-do list and the action plan which is maybe me perfect. um coming yes, back into the sympathetic nervous. sympathetic yes, yeah perfect um, yes and then there's a nice feeling at the yes. end of the day when i've achieved stuff which is you know back in top of the that ladder stuff gentle. yes um, yes yes so you're, you're talking about finding a really lovely way to to notice um, notice dorsal, um, turn towards it, you know, because again, you know, each of these states is, is, is a, there for a reason for us. So mm. I always ask my clients, just turn towards it a minute and, and listen for a moment. What is dorsal trying to tell you just for a moment? And then great. Thanks. Got that information. And then you're finding nice ways to begin to come mm. out of dorsal because, you know, the dorsal is taking you there for some reason, right? There's a survival reason that's taking you there. And as you can begin to um, move back up and come back to ventral, dorsal is calmed, right? Because you no longer need its survival action, mm. right? Yeah. yeah. So if you've got somebody that's um, maybe spend a lot of their life in dorsal vagal, so, you know, one word for that, mm. some of the symptoms might be described as depression. Um, yes, yeah. If they... Yeah start to do work on this and they start to mm -hmm. recognize and become empowered one of the things with mm -hmm. polyvagal theory is we know that from what i understand you can't skip a step so if you go from right. dorsal it's this the way back to ventral is through sympathetic and is it the case right. that people can who have been spent a lot of time in dorsal go into sympathetic and then it frightens them and they start then they pinball straight back into Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's one of the loops that, that often gets created, that there's a beginning um, sense of energy returning. So there's a beginning move in, into sympathetic and we want to go through sympathetic to ventral. But oftentimes um, a person will feel that energy will feel too big, too scary and go right back to dorsal. So yeah. as someone is coming out of that dorsal, that, that despair, that hopelessness, that depression, it is so important, I think, to have somebody um, co-regulating with them. Sure. That that's where you, you need a, a you know a good therapist who's going to accompany you, and and be with you. You you need a good friend. You need somebody in your in your life who's going mm -hmm. to help you notice. Oh, so sympathetic doesn't have to look big and messy, right? Like your sympathetic was. Oh, I started making a list. That's mobilization. That's why we call sympathetic mobilizing, not fight flight, 
right? Sure. Because it's simply the mobilization energy of sympathetic. And, and to be very careful about how we use it and organize it and channel it as we're coming out of dorsal through sympathetic mm-hmm. and get back to ventral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, so I, fascinating. You know, so I just, yeah. I know. <laughs> and so many people spend so much time in dorsal, right? I mean, we look around and, and really feel for these people who have just been um, stuck in that dorsal despair for so long. And we, 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 so, we so want them to begin to move out of it that when they do begin to move out, we, we forget that it can be very scary for a nervous mm-hmm. system to move from the, the lack of energy to a feeling of energy returning. And we want to make it safe enough. You know, we talk about finding the right degree of challenge for the nervous system, right? What's the right degree of, of mobilization that's going to help you keep moving towards? I, I've, I've come recently to, to be very sort of simple and direct with people and say, okay, if, it's, if what you're doing is not moving you towards ventral or helping you stay in ventral and feel more ventral, just stop doing it to stop yeah. right you know so if this if, if what we're doing to help you come out of dorsal is not feeling like it's keeping moving us up there we're going to stop or we're going to try something else sure. right because there's, there's no one way there's no one right way to do this right thank you so much for sharing all of that and the the book that you wrote um the most recent one was polyvagal theory and therapy which was taking st- Steve Porges work and turning into some really really useful exercises that therapists can do with their clients and I personally wish that I'd learned this on my course um it was a person-centered course and maybe it would have been (laughs) misplaced but the the thing that I, I love about it is it sort of demystifies things it's just oh that is what's happening and and that in in and of itself um, I was working with somebody just the other day who I introduced to the um to the theory and and the relief that he got Um, now in hindsight I I would now know to clock that as what's that feel like that relief (laughs) because that's that's a nice sort of ventral vagal moment isn't it Um, exactly exactly what's the next book so so the next book is um uh, titles changed so many times it's I think it's polyvagal exercises for safety and connection and what it is, is um, I think there are 50 of them. It's, it's exercises that you would introduce to your clients in session, but they would do between sessions. Because what we really know is that we make change by doing small things over and over, right? And so um, I always want to give my clients homework. Um, I think it's really important for them to take something with them from the session to keep working on um, between sessions. And so I finally decided maybe I'll get a little organized about this and and write the exercises out because my colleagues always ask me. And so um, that's the next one. Um, So things that that clients can safely um, continue to work on between sessions and bring back um, to session to, to share with their therapists. And then, uh, I wrote, um, I call them personal progress trackers. So I wrote a, a, a bunch of different scales for being able to track, for clients to track and also therapists to, to see. So as we're going along, what's changing in your nervous system, right? What, 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 what's beginning to reshape? Because, again, we don't, we don't tend to notice the small changes that happen. And we really need to be paying attention to the small shifts and not waiting for some big thing to happen, right? Because the small shifts are really telling us that oh change is happening 
you know, mm. and, and again, we're going to celebrate that. Wow. So, so this didn't happen the way it used to. And this new thing did happen. That's really cool. You know? So, yeah. It sounds like it's going to be a good book. It'll go on my, uh, my wish list for sure. Do you have any, so are there any resources available to people that might want to start this journey? One of the things that I'm really passionate about is not everyone can afford therapy. Um, not, it's not accessible to everyone. The reason for doing yep. podcasts like this is to give people little um, glimpses of, of ways that they can sort of mm-hmm. self-heal. Is there, mm-hmm. is there anything that, that's available for people to have a look at? You know, it's a, it's a great, it's a great question. And, and um, you know, I'm trying to, I agree with you. I, I think we need to get resources out to people who aren't going to come to therapy, who don't want to, who can't afford to, who don't have a therapist who, who understands this yet, you know? So, um, um, you know, just as a sort of way of understanding, um, on my website, the beginner's guide is there for free download. Um, what I've been telling people recently, because I get emails all the time from around the world wanting a polygonal informed therapist. And I say, well, I'm not sure there is one there yet. Um, we'll work on it. But if you get my book and take my book to your therapist, they can do it with you. And what I've been telling people is, as you know, the, the, the exercises in the book, the, the mapping in the book is, is really pretty accessible for anybody. You really don't need a therapist mm. to do that. So, you know, um, if people can um, get access to those, you know, I've been telling people, one person buy the book and share the link to the, to the maps with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> my, my publisher will not like me saying that, but in the book there is a link to, to the PDFs for all the maps, or you can simply draw them out on, on paper. I really think when people begin to do um, that first map so they understand their nervous system in that way and then dive into the exercises that they're going to be able to see some um, some changes changes happening yeah yeah mm. well thank you so much for taking time out are there any final thoughts that you'd like to add mm. let me think um you've, you've given us a lot already so don't feel feel pressure <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting question i was trying to just search around in my brain i guess i guess the thing that i would I would say if I'm talking to therapists um, to say, and then it also, you know, works for um, just curious human beings, the same thing that the nervous system um, is, is always looking for to understand context, to have choice and to have connection. And so when we find a way to offer those three things to our um, clients or to the people we live with and the people we love, um, then we have a chance to come into enough safety to to connect from that place of of um, ventral vagal, and um, you know context being why what what's going on why are we doing this, you know what what answering those questions, um, choice always giving people choice, you know do you want to do this and if so how do you want to do this right because the nervous system needs choice and then connection that place of we have to feel you know, safely connected to another human being in order to access our own ability for, for health, growth, and restoration. And I think, you know, I, I ended my book, I think I end most of my talks with the sense that that we're going to change the world one nervous system at a time, right? And that as, as my nervous system is regulated and I offer that to you, you then offer it to the next, and it ripples out into the world. And as we have more ventral vagal regulated people in the world, 
all things are possible, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's that's what we need in the world. You know, your country, my country, many countries are are in this you know state of dysregulation right now, mm-hmm. right? There's way too much sympathetic and dorsal activity going on. There's not enough ventral to hold people in the ability to safely communicate. So, you know, let's 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 all try to find our glimmers of ventral every day and and bring more of that to the world i really like that i really because when i'm when i'm in dorsal sometimes i i get a feeling of hopelessness and thinking you know i want to i want to heal the world but i'm only one person and i really like the Mm. idea that well if i can just bring myself into regulation the ripple effect of everyone that i meet i might be able to give them a glimmer and that's really really nice i love Um, that that's beautiful yes yes so Lovely. thank you. Thank mm. you for your time and good luck mm. with the next book. Um, I'll be you. lining up to purchase thank it you. and I'll let people know where they can get yeah. um, your details as well. I'll put that all in the the uh, the podcast. Oh, bio. you're sweet. You're sweet. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. And I hope I see you when I come to London. Definitely. Definitely. You will. Be lovely. Love. All right. I hope that you enjoyed listening to that podcast. But more importantly, I hope that you found that there was some good resources in there for you both in terms of educating yourself about your autonomic nervous system and also some of the reference exercises that Deb and I spoke about. I'll put links to those references in the show notes. One of those links will be to Deb's website where you can go and download a beginner's guide to polyvagal theory which is a really accessible way of understanding everything that we talked about and I'll also post a link to my website where there will be some downloadable pdfs where you can just download those worksheets and kind of take a look at mapping out your own autonomic nervous system and beginning to understand yourself. I think one of the things that I'm really trying to drive home at the moment with people is this message that each and every one of us is an individual and each and every one of us has a different way of bringing ourselves into regulation and part of this is about leveling up your self-awareness so that you can come in tune with your own body and your own mind and start to understand what it needs. When we feel regulated, we feel more connected to the people around us. And when we feel more connected to the people around us, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. We'll start to feel better and more grounded. So it's a difficult world that we're living in. There's no mistake about that. What we need at the moment is connection. And for some of us, that's really difficult. But there are things that we can do. So I'll post the links down. And I hope that you continue to be well during this difficult time. And I'll look forward to speaking to you all again very soon.